This is the Land and Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Land and Legacy Podcast, guys. Glad you're here. And uh, we're at the NWTF Convention 2022 in the town of Nashville. Chainsaw Chad, how are you? I'm doing great. Good, Still good. I think, on. I think everyone's just so happy that you're here <laughs> and just get to hear the term Chainsaw Chad all the time thrown out. It doesn't get old. But you know what else? We're also joined by Mr. Travis Sumner of the NWTF. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. I don't know that I have a name to go behind Chainsaw (laughs) Chad. I think that's great, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, it it works really, really well. (laughs) you got to cut a lot of trees to get a name like that. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, man, why don't you you kind of introduce yourself? Kind of tell us what you do um, at NWTF. That's going to just naturally lead right into our, our conversation. And I think, guys... This is going to be a really good one because we got a very experienced uh, land manager here who's taking care of um, quite a bit of ground and seen some awesome results. I think there's a lot of great little nuggets to be able to take away from your experiences, sir. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Thank you. Guys, I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to do this and, you know, give, give the folks some really good information. Uh, my name's Travis Sumner. I'm the Hunting Heritage Center and Habitat Manager for the National Wild Turkey Federation. Uh, Somebody asked, well, that's a big title. <laughs> and I said, well, it's a lot of hats that I wear there. So my main focus is the habitat work that goes on on our property. We own pretty much 707 acres right there at our national headquarters. Right. It's split into two different sections. We call one the Outdoor Education Center. The other half is the Palmetto Shooting Complex. So what we're trying to do is that we've established a complex where we can bring people in and teach them about conservation show them habitat work, but get them involved in shooting sports. And I've been there now since 2015. Nice. Right. 2015. And, you know, I'm hoping that I can retire there based on my career before. <laughs> you know, Department of Natural Resources, private sector like sure. you guys. Yeah. It's all been about wildlife management, and mm-hmm. I love it. So yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a good, cool job. Not just toting a fire pot and driving a tractor. I handle all of our mentored hunts, learn to hunt programs. Oh, nice. Yeah. And landowner workshop. That's got to be rewarding in and of itself. It is. Somebody asked me a little while ago, which part of your job? Oh, gosh, they put you in the corner, <laughs> didn't they? Yeah, they Woo. said, which part of your job do you really enjoy? And I sat there and I looked at them and I said, well, you know, I sit in an office and I've got guys that work for me out back. Yep, I said, yep. but when I can go out the door and get on the seat of a tractor now, that's vacation. Or oh, go tow to a fire pot or do something like that. But I said, you know, I enjoy the, the field work. And I do enjoy watching people for the first time harvest their turkeys or do things like that. So, um, But I do carry uh, a lot of load. We've, we've done a lot there over the past few years. Um, if you've ever come to Edgefield, we have just a little bit about the property, too. We have uh, six, six different walking trails. Nice. And we have interpretive signs that talk about specific habitat work that's behind that sign. Oh, that's awesome. So it gives the public an opportunity to see it and read about it. And, and we're really, there's 33 signs on the property. So along with six trails. That's a, that's a lot of good information that they can just, they don't have to like listen to a podcast, watch a video. Like they're in person and can sit that's there right. and learn and look 
I guess, to learn exactly what they're looking at. Because there's, yeah. there's, there's a difference in hearing people talk about it and even see, even seeing videos yeah. and actually seeing it in person. In the flesh. Like, videos never do it justice. I mean, no. there's, there's some great people who can do amazing things with video cameras, but there's still nothing that just gives you the, uh, the feeling, the atmosphere, the knowledge of being almost immersed in it. Exactly. To be a part of it. Oh, yeah. When you say something to somebody about, hey, or you need to plant pollinators in native grass, and you send them a picture. Yeah. But I can walk them out there and say, no. well, the sign says it, and it's right behind me. <laughs> yeah. We say it a lot. Places like that that have, like, healthy ecosystems, you walk into them and they feel alive. Like, it, that's there's right. a buzz. There's the, all the pollinator species. There's all of that different interaction between all of this flora and fauna that you don't experience unless you're in in there in person in person and that's simulates all the senses absolutely because depending on what time of the year you come you know if we've got those pollinators are blooming out there you get the smell the sights of that and Mm -hmm. watching all of your pollinator insects forgot to tell you you know we've got honeybees on the property we have cool uh we have a huge uh bat house when people so the the pollinator area we have a bat house uh it's really when you drive up and you look up uh we spent about thirty five hundred dollars on this and it looks like a giant deer stand for somebody really small and when we have the hunt somebody (laughs) said well what is that i said uh you'd fit in there it's a deer stand (laughs) so you know it goes back to the property itself it's it's for someone to come out there and enjoy behind that sign, get a real feel for wildlife management, for forestry management, and not just the aspect from a hunting side. Uh, you know, we've got 78, I think it's 78 bluebird boxes on the property. Wow. So the songbird, like the non-game species are benefiting just as much and, and, and should be as, as that all relates still to turkey management. That's right. And, you know, as an organization, a conservation organization, one of the things, you know, first thing, you know, turkeys – so yes, we've that's a great success story. But we're right. all about all wildlife, all all plant life. That's right. It's about how everything works together, and how important not just you know what you do for a food plot, but what about those honeybees you have on your property? Mm-hmm. How are they pollinating all your hardwood trees out there and right. creating mass? So it's it's a cool place. We uh, we do a lot with landowners. Uh, we offer opportunities for you know, different groups to come in, different partners to talk about specific quail management. Sure. Uh, prescribed fire management. Uh, their council comes and does a, a learn-to-burn shop. So nice. they're all, you can come burn. You can learn about all kinds of things about bobwhite quail, turkey management, whatever it is. Man, that's awesome. I mean, th- that's the kind of like, uh, <clears throat> no, it, it's obviously owned by the the nonprofit and WTF, but like, you're utilizing it to empower other people, not just the wild turkey, but just to come here, learn, take this information, and go apply it elsewhere. That's you gotta right. Come see it, be a part of it, touch it, feel it, taste it, and move on. That's the big. You made that point that it's not looking at the picture or watching the video. It's coming and seeing it visually behind those signs, and we have invited 
numerous times when you talk to a private landowner over the phone about, hey, man, how do I get turkeys? Let's talk about diversity and habitat. Yeah. Why don't you come out here and let me see you see it firsthand? Let me ride you around, let you see it, feel it, see how it works. And that's worked out really well for what we have there. Uh, totally. And that's one of, I wouldn't say the biggest hurdle, but one of the things that we, as Land of Legacy, really try to describe is what this thing is going to look like. And to a lander while we're working on the site, like we're gonna we're gonna create the maps and we're gonna show you, you know, an overlay, right, an aerial representation of what we're shooting for. But that just tells you where the units are, essentially, right, right. And where these habitat types should be on the landscape. But that doesn't necessarily paint that picture, the vivid picture of what it is you're trying to create. And if you don't have that target in mind or can visualize it, sometimes it's it's hard to implement something because you don't know what the end result is supposed to look like. But but having a site like that to say come see it take part in it now they have a goal visually to say i will i will replicate that with better accuracy and also being able to see that farther down the line result yeah helps a lot because let's face it that in between in between stages is tough for some people to swallow i mean there's a lot of stages within that timber management exactly stage that it's People don't want to address. They want, no. to, they want to it, go through that. It can turn people's stomach very easily. How many times, you guys, have you been asked the question, you know, you go talk with somebody like a landowner and you're, you're starting to talk about it. Well, you know, a lot of people expect results in a year. Right. And you look right. at them and like, hold up. You know. This is a multi-phase project. This is going to take some growing seasons to heal and change That's and manipulate. Oh, healthy ecosystems don't happen overnight. No, man. I said, look, five years plus, and then we'll start to see some results. Oh, right. Right. And, and that's a lot of what, when I came to work there in 2015, I walked into, you know, they were developing this thing. There was a plan. Uh-huh. And just like you said, there's a map. Sure. Let's lay this thing out. And then, you know, the, I think for a lot of people, that's the scary part, what you were talking about is, hey, man, I'm fixing to jump in and I'm wanting results. You know, most landowners are worried about expense, what it's going to cost, sure. how do I do this? So that's where we were. I mean, we had no infrastructure, mm-hmm. no road systems. Um, we were building roads. We were having to figure out how to get in. We were looking at uh, age classes of the pines, what sure. we needed to do. All right, if one block, what basal area do we want it here to demonstrate quail habitat? But we're going to go back up to the next stand, and let's do something different here. Let's cut it back to uh, 140 trees per acre. Mm-hmm. So... It really, those beginning stages, it's a lot of work. And I think the focus that we had while we were there is let's get the habitat correct. Let's, let's sure. get a plan. Let's work on the habitat before we do anything else. Let's, let's get it where we want it. And, and as you said, there's got to be some things to heal. Your clear-cutting areas. You yep. know, we have one demonstration area that we wanted to show of early successional habitat. Yeah. So what have you got to do? you got to clear cut. Yep. yep. If you're going from a pine stand or a hardwood stand, you've got to clear cut. And, and you know, people think that's the ugliest thing in the world. Yeah. And then, of course, then we got to talk about herbicide. we yep. got to get rid of the unwanteds. And then yep. we talk about burning. It's all those phases. That's where we were concentrating the first couple of years. It was just let's get this thing right yep. and do the, the specific jobs we need, whether it was thinning, whether it was herbicide. Burning was a big part. Sure. The, the thinning of timber, that was a scary part for everybody. You know, we wasn't sure really the phases that we needed to go through. So once we started thinning timber, uh, particularly on the Palmetto Shooting Complex, and, and 
not every landowner's got to worry. We had to worry about sound. Sure, right. So, you know, a yeah. lot of decisions had to go, and a lot of money went into that initial roll. Here we go. And then all of a sudden, three years down the road, you start to see things kind of level out a little bit. Right, right. But there's an initial hump to get over visually of, wow, here's the big, here comes the big yellow equipment, and <laughs> we're changing this place. I love that analogy that Adam came up with of the sore muscle phase. Right, Where he right. talks about That's like, a great one. like a person that is out of shape, you have to go through a sore muscle phase to get back into shape. And it's the same way That's, with the property. You have to go through that painful sore muscle phase to get to the desired results. But that beach body, man, that's right. (laughs) Oh, yeah, when you get to the beach body, uh, we had another prime example, guys, is when I came on, NWTF, they had acquired properties not only in Edgefield, we acquired properties in Alabama, Kentucky. And we rode around and looked at the Kentucky, or excuse me, the Alabama property, lower Alabama near Pensacola. So Mm -hmm. you guys have an idea of what the landscape was there, a Scambia River. I rode through there, and I'm, I'm with our CEO, um, a lot of the board members, and the first thing they go, all right, can we start running hunts here next year and doing things like this for fundraising? And I looked over and I said, no. Right. This this is going to be like a jerking a Band-Aid off, and it's going to be a bad ouch mm-hmm. because I already visualized what it's going to cost for us. What had happened, the property had not been taken care of very well. had pine stands on it sure a lot of the clear-cut areas were not replanted or anything was done so we're back in golf tie tie and it looked like and so i told them i said it's going to take a lot of work and it's not going to be fun right but the end result is going to look good but you better be ready to we're it's going to hurt a little bit to get started sure Sure. And, and that's just the reality of it. Like, that's the thing. We talk direct to landowners. It's like, I'm not going to paint the, a picture that um, is only pretty and that is only like, oh, it's going to be great. You know, you can experience this. Like, you can experience this after you go through these intentional acts and realize that there's some phases. What happens when invasive species pop up? Well, you got to attack them. You got to get right. back in there. You got you to gotta go and get back in that site and address those needs. And it's not all just, you know, cut burn and the magic happens there's a lot of things that do come up in that process you know i would i know you guys get the same question when somebody buys a piece of property yeah and it's all the same age class of trees yep and then i already visualize yep get ready because <laughs> if this is your this is your goal and this is our plan yeah get ready because this is not going to be fun right and and a lot of people are dealing with um you know, unmanaged timber when they're purchasing property, right? Absolutely. And so, yeah, you're gonna. It's gonna either be coming in with a timber harvesting crew, a TSI crew, varying degrees, and there's gonna be debris on the ground. Yeah, and it's, it's not gonna look good. That's right. That's right. It's it's gonna be very it's, ugly. It's, you I often have to say one. You're not gonna. You don't eat an elephant one bite at a time. It's gonna right. take some time um, to 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 allow this thing to happen and occur. We're talking. We're talking years. Just. Trust the process, and then you'll have something that you're actually desired. But right. you've, got, you've got to go through some changes. You've got to be aggressive sometimes, more aggressive than what you may feel comfortable to get that desired result. Yeah, and, it, you know, when you start disturbing and making changes, and then gradually you, you start to see the visitors you want there start showing up. Yeah. You know. Which brings us into, you know, uh, tying it back into your time spent on this property. So you, 
you took the position or, or the property was acquired in 15. And, um, you know, we talk on the podcast kind of like the, the implementation phase of projects, and then you get into a maintenance phase. So kind of go through that, uh, if you will, that timeline sure. of, okay, here's the projects we kind of accomplished. We got the thing set. That was the maintenance phase, and now we've entered in something different. Now, I really want to hit home on sure. what that maintenance phase is like because we kind of painted a picture of, like, something that's a little scary for landowners. <laughs> like, guys, you're, you're not really right. encouraging right now. But there is, there is uh, there's kind of, let's say, peace in the maintenance phase. So kind of give that history there. It is. You know, initially we start that phase of getting it ready and you visualizing. But now, you know, we were talking earlier we're in a maintenance phase, right? Uh, you know, what we've seen in what, seven years down the road, it's basically that maintenance phase where there's something going on this month. There's, you know, the basic things that, uh, you know, we've got our habitat taken care of. Right. So let's say, you know, this time of year, we're looking at burning, we're looking at doing some fallow disking to stimulate vegetation growth for uh, quail or whatever it may be. But each month there's something different to do. And for us, when we got there, it was, I know everybody was really tight because it, you know, first year, second year, third year. Yeah. And then you're, you're looking at something else and well, maybe we need to do this. But once we ease past that, you know, when I start setting up a budget for the year and they go, well, you're not spending as much money. I said, because we're in the maintenance phase. And that yeah, means we're, right. we've got th- the table is set and we are cruising along where we can maintain what all this big work was in the beginning right it's it's front end heavy work yes and then you you begin to just kind of hit those points throughout the calendar year of man this is my window to do x yes and this is my window to do x where it's not like you have to you're constantly trying to develop the whole property it's just portions and segments and portions and segments of the calendar year too but that's a great place to be it is, because yeah. then, you know, with expenses, is there, there's not that initial expense there was to start something up. The other part is, is once you kind of get to that phase, you can start adding on new things. Sure. That you shouldn't have, you, you know, a, a lot of people I've seen, you know, at the beginning, we need to do all this and X, Y, and Z. Let's stick with X first, and then we'll Y and Z later. Yeah. And, and now we can start doing different things. You know, this is just uh, my second year where trapping mm-hmm. uh, added on predator trapping right uh, you know other things that we could just continue to improve the property to maintain it so so talk to us a little bit about um, the turkey population we'll kind of get back to that trapping side yeah. of things <clears throat> from 15 till now and kind of comparatively speaking for this property itself mm-hmm. how it's handled the last seven years and then compare that to the region sure itself. you know that's a big topic right now turkey populations and when we first came there uh, to give you guys an idea mainly it was all the same age class of trees uh probably 25 years old right of loblolly pine with an exception of one area that had some interplanted longleaf gotcha no burning had been done wow Uh, Any, any thinning a li yeah i think a couple of the areas had first and second no one first thinning first thinning so it was trying to develop it and find areas that we could do openings. We had to create those. All right, folks, I want you to stop by roof five. Okay. You know, we started doing these things, but then, of course, it was really rough. It wasn't real good turkey habitat. You know, sure. There were birds there, but it wasn't 
very diverse. Right, right. We, all same age class. So we had to start doing the phases of figuring out where we're going to put openings, where we're going to create this. There were turkeys there. It wasn't likely that you could see a whole lot of them. And, and on the outside properties, it was basically the same type of habitat, except for to the north, we have more of an open area that was a, a beagle club. Gotcha. So when I got there, occasionally you would see a turkey here or there in the road. It was We were so concentrated on the habitat work, we had to really fix the house first before the tenants could show up. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, Good illustration. And so we just decided, let's, let's work on this. As we progressively did things to the property, we thinned, we burned, we created open area, you know, things that are essential for wild turkeys. We started to see more turkeys. Now that where we are now, and of course, if like I said, if you come and the things that we do out there from plantings to uh, open areas to the burning that we do, our population of birds that are there have pretty much are been stable. Mm-hmm. I won't say mm-hmm. that I have seen on 700 acres a decrease right. in birds. Now, there's, there would be some concern during the poult counts. Early on, we were seeing really good poults, but you know how hens will get. They'll, they'll oh, carry their yeah, little yeah, ones yeah. off. So we've been done really well there since 15. That I think I, I think we had a really good po- had a population there. We just couldn't see it all the right, time, sure, because you couldn't see through yeah, the yeah. landscape. Yep. So eventually, what we did is just continuously done the work that we did, and now, you know, we've got them. Well, with an exception of last year, uh, we we couldn't do some things on the property, you know, uh, and then we started, uh, for example, planting chufa. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying this is a save-all that you plant yeah, chufa right, on your right, property. Right. But, you know, certain things we did, a food source. And we didn't see – we had birds that were roosting there, and I think we it wasn't because I was going, oh, I don't think we got the birds we used to. But then the next thing we know, this year we planted chufa, and we've seen – right now we've got a lot of birds out there, particularly uh, a lot of adult gobblers, hens, and we were talking about it looks like we had a really good hatch. Good. Um, what about the the rest of your region, comparatively speaking? Are they in a stable mode? Are they in a growing mode or a decreasing mode? You know, I think it really depends on what part of the area you're in. Yeah. Because you'll hear guys that are avid turkey hunters in South Carolina talk about, hey, I just don't hear the birds that I used to. Sure. Now, that could be for numerous reasons. That totally could it, it could be totally. it could be that okay. Maybe they're not goblin. Uh, maybe you you guys turkey hunt. It maybe you've got a Jake problem, a bully Jake no, problem, yeah. and these adult birds are not going to gobble. Um, it may be a, a food source. You know, I I can't say, but when you don't hear them as much as you used to, and I I see that I've sure. seen that, but I don't know if it's due to the habitat work that people are doing. A lot of there's a lot of logging and thinning going on, changing okay. the landscape. Yep. And your clear-cutting areas, so we're taking away roosting and we're taking oh, sure. away that kind of habitat so they may be moving around. In certain areas, yes. Now that, that seasonal activity, what they may have used to seeing in the spring, not that those birds aren't there anymore, they've just shifted potentially. But then that clear-cut in two and three years, there's a different different time frames, different life cycles. The birds are going to use that readily. Absolutely. And, you know, a fresh clear-cut, the birds like to get out and strut in the middle of it anyway. Sure, sure. Um, I, I think that's one of those things, too, that <clears throat> talking about that, we as hunters, 
struggle at times with that because things change. Mm. With habitat management, you have things change. And sometimes that that tree that you generally have had or that point that you generally have turkeys roosting in, sometimes your, your timber management has shifted that. And it's and not an easy thing to go through of, yeah. well, I've always killed turkeys on this right. ridge, and now I can't. And, and you see that a lot with some of the stuff in, some of the stuff <clears> in, um, like, uh, that Bridgestone property. Right. Where right, it's, right. it's something where things change. We sometimes are resistant to it because we, we want to have the same thing that we've had our whole life, but it, it's, that's not how nature works. It doesn't stay the same. No, it doesn't. Um, I could, you brought up a good point because 2000, there's a, my private track that uh-huh. I've worked with the landowners. Right, well, the 2000 acres that I've worked with a good friend of mine, he was a former game warden. We saw that, you know, birds used to roost in this same place, and hunters get used to that. Because, oh, yeah. But then he is more so timber investment. Uh-huh, yeah. That changes the game a little bit, too. It changes it. So we're thinning and cutting and burning and doing the things that we need to do, and I've seen birds move and make changes to their lifestyle. It when you know, Well, they used to be there. Well, they're not now because this is what we do. Sure. Sure. And I think people need to be receptive to that, you know. Uh, but, you know, the overall factor of why turkeys are lower here, you know, there's a lot of things that come into play. So many variables. So, so many. many variables. And and so the great thing is there's so much research right now. Very valuable research that, that we are encouraging listeners to dive into and apply and, and their own um, – regions the way they mm-hmm. need to whatever that cause may be or the cause is most likely right. um, do what you can but going back to the, that, the, the property itself you guys have entered the maintenance phase of management the heavy lifting's done um, but you created like you said the house so the tenants could move in and have shelter, refuge, food, all these things the, the habitat has to be present before we can start trying to make if you will, I'm air quoting, make more turkeys, right? right there right. has to be the vegetation, the plant community spatially arranged for them to persist. But now the maintenance phase, you've been able to introduce some more techniques that are going to take that, that stable population right. and potentially continue to stabilize while everyone else around decreases. Hopefully that's not the case, but, or take it from stabilization to increasing by adding these other little elements into the overall land management. But the timing of that, I want you to speak on um, the timing of when you're doing those techniques in comparison to the habitat management. Right. You know, it's, I think that's vital, when it, particularly if you're a turkey hunter. You know, you want the birds to be there on your property when the season rolls in. You don't want them to be over on the other property. So timing is very critical. You know, when we look at doing our trapping programs, we're doing it now to eliminate before the hunting season. Um, you know, I think you got to kind of set up a calendar and and say, here's what we're doing this month, here's what we're doing there, and stick to that timing. Now, we all know that weather plays a factor when anything yeah, comes absolutely. to happen. But that timing, I think, is crucial to keeping the turkeys there. Um, we've always talked about small acreage management. Can I have turkeys on a small acreage? Sure. And, you know, I tell someone it's a lot about what you do there. You can still do the same basic things that you would on large scale, but look at how you pressure the property. Right. So we really look at how we do things and when we do things, uh, particularly when it comes to 
the turkeys now with our trapping, whether we burn, whether we're planting, how we hunt the property, and and that's always that's that's helped populations on um, that we've had there at the center. You know, somebody could call in and call you guys and say, "Hey, how do I get keep? You know, what can I do because turkeys are on a decline?" I think they need to keep in mind that you can do a lot from a habitat standpoint. Now, sure, the scientific parts is is poult repro- uh, poult survival terrible, but yep. you can create brood rearing habitat, which is most likely a limiting factor on the land. I, I agree. Yeah, you know, we could talk about that all day. You know, when people say, "Well, you know, what can I plant?" Well, I said, "Have you thought about not how much clover and chufa you're going to plant? Have you thought about?" What can you do when they're trying to survive a nesting area? Yes. Uh, the different stages that they go through as a poult. What size vegetation? Do they, how do I create that? I, th- I would be more concerned. Absolutely. I think that's a what, great yeah. focus for smaller landowners. Yes. They don't need a humongous space, but they need the space. They need the plant communities present. Right. If they're not present, then they don't <clears throat> have that availability right, to nest. So... You have to have those elements, though, on the landscape, even if you are a small property. I think that's you, – you might be a small property, but you can play a big role if the surrounding Correct. area doesn't have such a critical uh, plant community present. Right. That, that's a big role to play. It is. And, you know, I think that's something that you focus on in smaller, you know, small properties is be very diverse. Yeah, But yeah. offer something that's not beside you. Absolutely. So. 100%. And we, that may be something that, going back to what we're, why our population on the property is where it is, I think you look at the surrounding properties. Well, we have a, a rock quarry to the north. I don't know that they're going up there to yeah. feed, but they may be going to get gravel. Yeah. And the other private landowners, it's the same age class of trees. They, monoculture management, mono, what we call it. Thank you. Monoculture <laughs> management. We talked about that yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And... But look at what we're doing. Sure. You know, and, and we do. We have 700, but beside us is 1,200. Right. So we're the small fish, but the things that we're doing on the landscape and how we time it out as we do those things to create this diversity, to create, create habitat, I think that's one thing that helps us with our turkeys there. Absolutely. No, no question about it. What would you say to the landowner who's got 250, um, feels like he's surrounded by folks who aren't as on board and as passionate about him as him regarding turkeys? What would you say your best advice is to maybe extending some olive branches out there? I think I've seen that when I worked in the private sector. You know, he says, well, my neighbors don't turkey hunt. They don't care. All there is this. I think educating them, for one, you need to go educate your neighbors and just have a casual conversation. I mean, talk about, you know, you may not hunt them, but I do. And But I'm also concerned about the preservation of wild turkeys. Sure. And I would go and talk to that landowner and just say, hey, look, I would be glad to help you, you know, maintain what you've got but here's what i'm going to do and and i think educating them education to through simple habitat practices and and say hey come over and look what i'm doing sure i think you just the education part is is, and having a good casual conversation with them for sure i I think i think the 
almost just like opening up the gate, right? To yes. just show them the examples too, of like this is how passionate I am. Look at what I've been doing, not in a boastful way, but just to be like, and this is this is what I think that as a neighborhood we can do better. And and if I don't uh, show some vulnerability into what I've been doing, then we don't have that same trust, right? Then I just pick up the phone and call her if I just write you a letter. Right. But but just sharing and spending some time. Uh, I feel like that can definitely go a long way. And I think once you've done that, you guys have you know about deer cooperatives. Yeah, absolutely. You then you start building these cooperatives between you and your neighbors. And you know when it comes to turkeys, that's a you know uh, you're not messing with my turkeys. But you know I think you can do that. And yeah, I yeah, think yeah. sharing what you're doing, letting them see it. I had a landowner one time. All he wanted to do was watch them. Yeah. He just yeah. he didn't care or anything about hunting one. And I. I brought up some in another podcast kind of talking along these and getting your neighbors. In my mind, if you can get your neighbors involved and get them doing that, to me, I'm going to be more passionate than them. I'm going to go above and beyond what they're going to do. So if they do stuff and they're benefiting the turkeys, it's still a benefit, but I'm still going to hold them because I'm going to do more than they're going to do. Yes. You're, you're the core. Hub. Yeah. The, the, you're, you're, yeah, you're the hub and everyone else can the be a spoke. Hub, there's a spoke. Hey, great. That's, if if that's I'm having analogy. to talk to them and try to get them working on this, I probably have more passion than them. And and the key point to that, I think, is this. is the, the key point to that, I think, is what you're doing. If you're, you're working with your neighbors, all it's doing is benefiting the resource. All you're doing totally. is boosting populations or well i'm not gonna say that's gonna increase it but it's gonna help you know it's not gonna hurt anything no promise it's not right absolutely and that's where the you know this is maybe a a aggressive kind of statement but it's not about the harvest no Uh, it's about the resource itself and i think as hunters can be one of our biggest faults and i think being open about it and i've been right there in that same boat of caring about how how many tags I'm going to fill, but but at the at the long term run, I think when you get really involved in the habitat side of things, that takes a back seat because you say you've already identified that this resource, I'm willing to put in time, blood, sweat, tears, and money, my resources for it, and and we need more people in that realm of, and I'm, I might sacrifice some tags. I might sit back and, and just not hunt them as aggressively as I have before. Um, this is about preservation of the resource itself. That's Bar right. Bar none. Bar moving none. For, moving forward. So, any other parting thoughts here, Travis? You know, I, I think all of us need to really, you know, pitch in. Uh, if you're if you love the outdoors, even if you're not a hunter, but you do like we just talked, yeah. the resource, I think it's valued that we all need to pitch in. Like you said, we all need to jump in. It's it's uh, very important to maintain the resource. And you know, I tell someone, it all comes first from the house they live in. If, right. If you're not maintaining the habitat, you know, it's not just the wild turkey. It's it's not just deer. It's That's songbirds. Right. It's everything. It's all intertwined. It all works together. I just think, you know, we all need to take a great look, particularly for you're a manager, you're a landowner. You know, always, hey, we talked about it today. That first jump in is, ooh, this hurts. Yeah, yeah. But then when you go back and you can look five, six, seven years down the road and you see 
you reap the rewards, it's a great feeling. Heck yeah. And then you can start looking at other ways to put things on top and increase it and it, make it's, it look It's kind of like that sore muscle phase, but it's like someone trying to lose weight, right? Like, yeah. the, no one's going to look back if they made themselves healthier and say, ah, that wasn't worth it. All that work just wasn't worth it. No one does that. No one's in that position. No. Habitat land and land management going from an, an unproductive site to a really productive site, there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some, some commitment, blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it. But you don't get to the end of it and like, gosh, that was just unworth so, so regardless of what illustration you know you you want to look at, there you don't look back at, at going in and diving deep into this thing and, and just kind of regret it. If you stay the course and you're committed to it, it's a wonderful journey. It is, and and, and uh, we're happy to be a part of it. And we're happy that you joined us here today for the podcast, guys. I appreciate it, and I love what you guys are doing. Appreciate uh, that. Uh, Thank if, you. If there's anything I you know from our end with NWTF, we love to to get you involved and appreciate it. And hey, I'd love to even have you guys come up to uh, NWTF and maybe do a, yeah. a workshop for yeah. landowners. Oh man, we'd love that. We work with uh, NDA quite a bit doing workshops and field events. So um, man. We're just a call away. We'd love to make the trip, man. Love though. to do it. Maybe come during turkey season. Hey, yeah. don't <laughs> twist my arm now, all right? <laughs> Thanks, well, guys, sir. thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here. We appreciate it.